ALG really saved me. I put all of my success on joining this group. People constantly checking in saved me. I made so many like friends with people that I've never met, but I feel incredibly close to and, and I consider them family. It really is a family. It is a place where you can just be yourself and there is no judgment. There is no shame. You are so welcome there. Nobody has to be in this alone. Everybody is either going through or has gone through the same thing at one point. Let's do this. Welcome back to the ALG podcast. If you're listening to this on the day of drop, then happy Friday to you really quick at the top of the show. If you could five star rate and review the podcast, so five star rate and reviews do go an extremely long way. Um, David, are we at the cusp of uh, that contest where we asked for five star rates and reviews? One more week. So we you got one, one more week, week and we're selecting three winners who will take home an accountable life journal. All right, so here we go. As always, I am John Arpino, otherwise known as J. Arp's Journey, and I am joined alongside today by my partner in crime, David Roden, otherwise known as Fit underscore D-Rock, and we are the Accountable Life Group, and today we are diving way deep into childhood obesity. Bam, bam. I have uh, I have been waiting to do this podcast for a while. I wanted to talk about this topic and, you know, it was just a matter of fitting it in and when we were going to talk about it. But I don't feel like there's a better time than right now. So let's just go on into it. I mean, David, we'll start off with you. Um, were you all were you a heavy kid? Like, you know, as far back as you can remember, were you always heavy? Do you remember when your weight started to go up as a kid? Yes, I was basically considered overweight or obese probably after the age of, I mean, I was easily in third grade, second, maybe first grade. Mm -hmm. So yeah, pretty much. Oh, actually, speaking of that, um, I when I was at the uh, the lake house, I was pulling out some of my dad was going through the old life jackets, the the float floating jackets. Mm -hmm. And he's we were I had my old like seven X one from back in the day. And then I found one that was a two X that had 15 on it, which was my middle school number. And I put it on and I'm like, Holy shit, this fits perfectly. <laughs> That's crazy. So I'm the, I'm the same size as I was in fifth grade. <laughs> the, yeah. I think I am now too. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's still kind of crazy to wrap your head around. Yeah. And I would yeah. say I'm the same size in the belly area, probably not in the the shoulders and chest, but the belly. <laughs> yeah, probably. I don't know. I had a, I had sensory issues as a kid growing up, so like I didn't wear jeans, not because I was too heavy. I just didn't wear jeans until probably. Oh, I hated jeans. Third or fourth grade, maybe fifth grade. I just couldn't. I didn't like jeans. Period. And the texture just would same drive way. me up a wall. But anyway, so yeah, so earlyhood, uh, early state childhood obesity. Always. Um, what are some of your memories from back then? Like, were you self-aware that you were heavy? Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, yes and no. I had a lot of personal issues when it came to like, I mean, even at a young age, I mean, probably, 
I didn't have a huge issue with say like more with the conversation before we started say like girls like of like that whole bit until probably sixth grade, but that's probably pretty normal. Like you don't really think about yourself as fat up until fifth and sixth grade. Um, but up until then, I mean, I was just the funny fat kid and laughed and, and didn't really think anything of it. I remember, um, as a joke, uh, it wasn't actually a joke. I went to Goodwillie environmental school, which is like the special fifth and sixth grade school where it's invite only you got to like, or it's, it's, uh, you have to go through a process to get in. It's like pretty much 80% outdoors, which is awesome. Like I'm talking, I'm not kidding you. We'd, we'd be sitting there doing math class. And then our teacher would be like, you guys want to play capture the flag and be like, yeah. <laughs> and all right, we're done. We're, we're done with uh, multiplication. We're going to, we're going we're gonna to play capture the flag. And so that, that's the, that's the experience I had in face, which made seventh grade awful. Um, but <laughs> so in fifth grade, when you had to do this invite process and, and everything, I asked, they asked me what my favorite class was. And I said, recess, obviously. And so, um, but up until that point, no, I mean, there wasn't any, at this point, I didn't have any going to different any doctors or anything. I was just freaking fat, like, <laughs> and it wasn't talked about at all. It was just, it is what it, well, it was, what it was. That, that was, that was going to be my follow-up question. Your parents never said anything to you about your weight. No, not, not from my recollection. I didn't get the first ever conversation about weight as an issue till probably freshman year of high school, probably freshman really? year. Yeah. Wow. And, and the only reason weight was even like talked about was um, because my doctor, like my endocrinologist and the other doctors I was seeing were talking about it. It wasn't like, I mean, I had a very unique experience when it comes to family upbringing. I mean, the, the, the pros and the cons of having a dad as a doctor, like, especially the cardiologist, he was working 80 hours a week. He was like, he was at a hospital literally 80 hours a week. And so having those humble conversations of David, we got to do this. It just didn't come up. It just did. It really just didn't for whatever reason. Um, and then my mom, she was a coddler. Like she still struggles with it to this day. And whatever I wanted, I got for a nuance of reasons. Her, her definition of love is, is gifts and doing and doing everything. So like, I want to make sure my kids love me, know that I love them. So if David wants candy, he's getting candy. If David wants pizza, he's getting pizza. And like, that's just the way things were. Mm -hmm. And for better, for worse, not ideal. I'm still grateful for my, for my transformation and, and that experience, but obviously not the ideal situation. Um, but that was my, yeah, I didn't have any of the heart to heart conversations of like, now I'd get motivated in high school occasionally and that kind of stuff. Um, but up until even early high school, I never had the conversation with my parents. Really? Nope. See, that's insane. So, all right. So now we'll flip the coin. Um, me, uh, like I have been, well, okay. Let me rephrase that. I have memories of being obese my whole entire life. I don't think that there was really probably only up to like two or three years old. Was I not, you know, on the pudgy end leading mm-hmm. up to, you know, severe, you know, morbidly obesity issues, whatever. Um, and it wasn't really a hidden fact, you know, 
uh, again, you know, my medical background was a huge reason as to why I had such a massive weight gain. Um, we don't really have to walk down that path mm -hmm. again, but it was never, there was no, it was never a secret. Like it was never a secret. John, you're heavy. Mm -hmm. John, you need to do something about your weight. John, there's a reason why you're not keeping up with your friends who are playing X, Y, and Z, and you can't run outside and play tag and, you know, go do whatever. Like, John, you're, you're the reason why you can't like keep up and run laps in peewee football is because you're heavy and because you have bad asthma. Like it was, it was never a lie. And like, mm -hmm. I rem I have specific memories. Um, like, so my grandparents, both sides, my mom and my dad's parents both spoiled the crap out of me and my siblings. Um, and when I was younger, whenever we would go visit my grandparents who live in Florida, they would always take us clothes shopping. They would take me toy shopping and they'd take me clothes shopping all the time, no matter what. And um, I have like very specific memories of, of walking into a JCPenney's and Macy's as a kid. And I never was in like the kid section or the boys section mm -hmm. that didn't, ne that never existed. I was in the teen and young adult and then like adult section way early on. And I'm talking back in the day when like, there was a time where like the kid version of big and tall was Husky. I don't know if anyone else is, remembers this, but there was a, there was a while where there was the Husky sizes. So I was a Husky size in jeans and I was a Husky size in t-shirts. And then I remember, I do, do you remember the South pole phase? Did you guys have that in Michigan where everyone was wearing South pole and echo or was that like not a thing by you? <sighs> not that I, not yeah. that I recall. Yeah, I know you guys were wearing Calvin Klein's out the fucking game. Um, <laughs> It just happened. Yeah, I don't understand. Burberry fucking diapers over there. Well, anyway, we had a whole no exact opposite. It was like Carhartt and we're we're uh we got we got rural we got rural around us. All right. Anyway, stop it. Um. So anyway, um. So I could own and I and I liked South Pole. Like all the older kids were wearing South Pole. I was still in elementary school. I had to be in like fifth grade, and I remember I had some older friends, and they were all wearing South Pole and stuff. And I was wearing South Pole too, but the only reason why I was wearing South Pole is because it was the only thing that came in my size. Like what was in, in my age group was never in my size ever. Mm -hmm. Like it just wasn't a thing. But like, again, also like my parents, it would never be a hidden thing. Hey, John, you know, you're heavy, but also they had a really hard time telling me no when it came to food, mm -hmm. because one, I had a massive amount of food allergies. So I couldn't, you know, it wasn't like, okay, John, well, you're going to have some, some nuts in a salad with some whatever. And it's going to, in some tuna fit. Like it, that just wasn't a thing because I was allergic to everything. Mm -hmm. You know, there was a huge time in my life where I was a regular, I was allergic to regular proteins such as beef and chicken and turkey. Like I was on a complete just rice diet at one point in my life where everything had to be made with rice because I was just so allergic to everything around me. But anyway, so like my go-tos when I was younger was my diet was 97% pizza because I wasn't allergic to pizza and that's all I wanted. <laughs> and I had such a food addiction to pizza that they weren't going to tell me no. So like mm -hmm. I was eating pizza, macaroni and cheese, hot pockets, Elio's like all the time because that's what I could eat. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean like my, and I have specific memories of fighting. So you didn't play players. any, you didn't play any sports or anything. I, I stopped at peewee football. I did a year and a half of peewee football. I did. Yeah, with all the asthma and everything. Two or three seasons of T-ball, and then we that was it. Like, See, that's so funny because the one thing I had um, before – because, I mean, I always played some kind of sport. Um, I mean, if you call tennis, golf, bowling sports. Well, uh, bowling is definitely not a sport. 
<laughs> but um, fifth, sixth, seventh grade, I was on one of the best soccer, indoor soccer teams in like West okay. Michigan. Obviously, I was the goalie, but I was one hell of a goalie. Like, mark my words, ask all the other, like the old, like all my buddies from fifth, sixth, seventh grade. I would put my body in like, I was, I was a big guy. So like I've took up a big piece of this in this indoor goal. And so I'm diving around. I took a, a couple of like kicks to the face and throat from like sweeping at balls and everything. And, uh, but that was the last time I did any type of seventh grade was the last time I could get away with any non significantly distance sports set okay. like seventh grade after seventh, you weren't going to see me play soccer, football stuff. I just, I couldn't physically do it anymore. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was, and purely, purely because of just size, like just how unhealthy I was. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. Not, not, not because of any other reason. Actually seventh grade, I did seventh or eighth grade. I did um, wrestling and I did all the practices up until the first match. And then they made me wear a singlet. And they wouldn't let me wear a shirt underneath. And I didn't want to see my man boobs. And so I quit. I feel you. Yeah. I definitely feel you. Um, I remember when we got into sixth grade, that's when they started to offer wrestling. And I was really hyped because I was stupid at the time. And I didn't know that Olympic wrestling was offered in high school. I mean, in middle school. So I walked in thinking I was going into a WWF class. <laughs> and then that didn't happen. That didn't happen at all. That's <laughs> and, then I, and then I realized how hard actually collegiate wrestling like olympic wrestling whatever you want to call greco-roman wrestling is and uh it didn't it didn't last they had me and the all the only other obese kid in the grade rolling around together trying to move each other and we it was just we both couldn't do it we both stunk like high heaven like it was just it was disgusting that's and then, too funny. Uh, and then that was right around the time where they literally just made me stop doing gym because i was just a liability but anyway um back to uh food addiction and you know our parents trying to step in and stuff um personally i know i was addicted to food especially back then whether that was side effects of drugs whether it was just you know my diet and just mm -hmm. what i was eating all the time but like i had a very serious food addiction um to the point where like i was sneak eating um i would sneak eat too see it's i uh, the, the the addiction word is so interesting to me because it's just like i guess so it, it's got to be in a very i it's completely it exists but it's like, I, I get worried because the word addiction is being thrown around so quickly nowadays. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, I had an infatuation with food. I snuck, I, I would, all my classics in high school was I would, um, because the, we had a pantry that was like a walk-in pantry, this huge pantry. And I always had people over. So it was always stocked with everything under the sun. And I would take all the candy bars and like Reese's peanut butter cups and I'd take the bag in my room and I would eat them through a night of playing video games. And I put all the, uh, all the wrappers in one of my drawers, yeah. wait for trash day. And as soon as trash day hit, took all the wrappers, put it underneath the trash. It was gone. And no one knew the wiser. Yeah. And so, very similar so if you want to call it addiction, try to hide how no, much you're addiction. eating. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, okay. I, I'll respect absolutely. that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I knew that I had a food addiction because I could not go anywhere without eating. Mm -hmm. um, like m my mom, when I was a kid would always have to pack me a snack somewhere. Or like, if we went to the mall, we had to hit the food court 
or mm-hmm. like if we were driving past a McDonald's, 99% See, of the time I'm telling my mom to pull over to go to McDonald's. Um, but one like real specific memory that I have that haunts me to this day is uh, my mom went to Costco and I don't know if they still have this, but back in the day you were able to buy like an industrial sized box of Rice Krispie treats. Like it had to be like 150 count or whatever of Rice Krispie oh. treats. And it was like all the flavors that they made at the time. It was like three different flavors of Rice Krispie treats in this one big box. And my mom had put it in our laundry room, which was in our playroom downstairs in our house. And I found out that it was there. And over the course of like two to three days, I killed this box. Oh, yeah. Okay. But I was hiding the evidence, but I was I was not the sharpest tool in the shed at the time. I was literally just crumpling up the wrappers and I was throwing them behind my uh, washer and dryer in my house. Tossing <laughs> them back there as if no one was ever going to find them. And then I forgot the reason why they finally did look. Well, obviously the box was gone. Like, why, where did all these Rice Krispies go? But then when they found the wrappers, oh my God, the ad, not, I'm going to be honest. I grew up in the 90s. We got our ass beat. <laughs> <laughs> when we got in trouble. So like the the verbal whooping and the whooping that I got for that is something that I'll never ever ever forget. But while the sneak eating was going on, it was like a high like like I can't explain. Like mm-hmm. uh, sneak eating was just it was the thing to do, man. It was all night eating for me too. I mean, oh, not yeah. all, not all. Um again, it's it's always so interesting cuz like from that perspective, I never had a lot of family intervention and conversation. Um, one of the ones that I find funny, and again, it's, it's coming full circle now because the science is kind of going in that direction. Um, at the time, our family, even my dad, would hammer Diet Cokes. Right. Like we hammered Diet Cokes. Now, is diet coke as unhealthy as regular coke no it's not it, it's or it's, it's healthier than regular is it water no it's not water well diet has zero calories it's not that simple it's it's yeah. now the science is coming out and how it manipulates sugar like insulin and all this stuff it's not as as safe cut and dry, yeah. cut and dry as you think it is mm-hmm. but at the time my for my dad it was like oh it, yep it's fine and so i was slanging 15 to 20 diet coke cans a day in high school like we get the we get the 30 racks from uh costco mm-hmm. and i would go through a whole line of them in like in a night and playing like call of duty or whatever mm-hmm. and i remember having this conversation with my dad where i almost talked him into getting a fountain diet coke machine in her house because it was going to be, I, I literally showed the numbers like dad, we would save money if we got a fi- fountain diet Coke machine in a matter of a year. Look at this. Like, here's the numbers. How much we're, how much, <laughs> and I was this close, this close to having a fountain diet Coke machine. <laughs> you know, I have a lot of fat stories, David. Like, a lot. <laughs> like I, we could sit here for hours. I was trying to get a fucking mini motorcycle. All right. And I was trying to tell my parents why it was okay for me to have a mini motorcycle. You were trying. You were trying to get a soda machine. And I have some great fat stories, but that one. Ah, too funny. But you know what? A little ta- like half a second for a tangent. Yeah. I've, you've always told me about like how bad your soda addiction was. And like my dad had a serious soda addiction for a really long time, which he finally cut. And, we're, and he was drinking like maybe a half a two liter to a two liter, you know, 
a day, like every two days or so. You know okay. what I mean? That's not but terrible. Recently, I had went over to a buddy's house and he invited over a friend who I'd never met before. And I'm not going to use names or anything like that. But the, this this guy gets to my friend's house and my my friend Joe comes over to him. And he says, hey, um, I have like 36 Pepsi cans. He was like, is, is that enough for you for for tonight? And I was and I thought it was a joke. And I and I, and I thought so. I, I thought I thought the kid was absolutely like joking around. I thought he was kidding. Blah blah blah. And he like literally, I could see this kid lean back in his chair, do the math in his head, and was like, "If I have to make a run, I'll make a run." And I was like, "There's there's no way. Like they gotta they gotta be kidding." So we're hanging out. This kid cracks open a Pepsi can. Guzzled and it's it. normal Pepsi or Diet Pepsi. Normal Pepsi. Oh gosh. Guz guzzled this thing right. Boom. Cracks open another one. Guzzles another one. So then later on in the night, so at this point, he's like 10 deep, mm-hmm. okay? Then we we start drinking, right? Now, he turns around to me and he goes, yeah, I'm not I'm not really a big drinker or whatever, blah, 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 blah. So the kid, the kid has a Jack and Pepsi, and then he has a Chaser Pepsi. And he's chasing a whole, Coke, a whole Pepsi and Jack, which had like no Jack in it, with a regular Pepsi. And I'm not kidding you with you. He killed over 36 cans in a matter of 12 hours in front of me. And I've never seen anything like that a day in my life, like ever. Holy like, balls. Wow. I was like, wow, this is real. I was like, I know, I know that there's soda addiction out there, mm-hmm. but I've never, ever seen it like this. Like I was, like, Oh yeah. I, I like, and it wasn't, it wasn't my place to like turn around to the kid and be like, Hey, like you want to have a conversation, but yeah, no, it was. And I, and you were the first person I thought of. I was like, damn, like, I damn. like it. I wouldn't even, my best friend, Phil would say I, he, he would, at, at, after like four or five, I'd be like in the middle of a video game and I'd be like, Hey, Phil, can you get me one? And he'd be like, no, I'm not going to get you one. Like right. get it yourself. I'm not doing right. it. And cause I wouldn't even sip straight back. I would tilt my head to the side cause a little less effort. You tilt wow. your head to the side. And uh, yeah, that, that was, and it's, it's kind of going to the whole childhood obesity. And I think one of the things of one of the questions that I think, what, what's the question that someone asked with child uh, on families or how to have the conversation? Um, yeah, something like that. Hold on one second. I'll uh, I, Cause I'd love to go into that a little bit. Cause I think like the, it, the link between income and childhood obesity, that one. No, the, the family one, how to, how to incorporate like, like family dynamics, blaming oh, family, how to, how to justify childhood obesity without blaming parents. Yeah. So like the, that kind of conversation, um, it's interesting because I, I'll, I'll kind of come at it from a couple of different fronts. Cause like my whole thing of like, where does, where does being able to, it's like a, uh, from the Gooch conversation from a couple of days, from a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. Gooch having a good perspective on, how poorly you can eat and destroy your body and being able to instill better habits in your kids with allowing them to have some of those kid aspect foods like, Hey, rice, Christmas treat every so often, not a big deal, but having one every three minutes is a big deal. Huge deal. Right. And it's, it's interesting. Cause like at the end of the day, I think account like accountability is everything. Mm-hmm. And a- accountability is the sword we need to live and die on. Because if we, if we fall into mysticism in this world, meaning I'm just that I'm just the victim. I don't know. I don't know. It's not my fault. It's, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And you, you, you play this game long enough, then nothing. What do you, how do you do this? And so is it my parents' fault? Yes. 
yes, it is. Like they didn't have the hard conversations that needed to be had to in, in a loving way, like, Hey, David, I, like, we love you. Let's have these hard conversations because they need right. to be had. We need to learn how to build better habits. Say no to me when I wanted X food and say no. And this is the reason why, and let's go about this. But that needed to happen. Yeah. Like, like that, th there's no way around. And it's funny to me because it doesn't matter if it's a doctor's son or it's some yeah anybody jabroni mm -hmm. low income blank it doesn't matter it's just the same situation can arise right and so i think it's so important to have that accountability with your kids and be able to at a young age be able to say hey the the greatest way to show self self love for yourself is to treat your body with the respect it deserves and that's what how you how you fuel it what food do you put in it how do you work it every day? Do you work out or do you sit in on a couch all day? Absolutely. All that shows to yourself how you love yourself yeah. more than just saying it. It's what are you doing for yourself? Mm -hmm. um, that it's important. No, I, I don't want to sit here and just shun because parents are doing the best of what their ability is. But at the same time, we just have to be like, Hey, we got to learn. You got to do better. We got to, we got to, we got to do better. Like childhood obesity is going through the frigging roof. Yeah. And it's not from a lack of knowledge because guess what? We have YouTube now. We, we, we see the, the proof in the pudding of what the world, like what obesity brings is not good. Yeah. So you can't, you can't be putting your head into the grass going, I don't, I didn't know. I didn't know feeding my kid 16 Cokes and, and Rice Krispie treats all day was bad for him. I didn't know that. Yes, you do. Right. You, you're taking the easy way out. But you you are doing that. But also, it, you know, it's food marketing. It's, mm -hmm. you know, what they're selling in schools. It's it's so much more than just the parents because. Oh, I agree. Because obviously when I was younger and when I say younger, I mean, like, let's just say, you know, four and a half to like 10, I was getting away with murder when it came to eating. Like it mm -hmm. wouldn't make a difference. Um, but, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old, I remember having fights with my mom as to why four or five slices of pizza was too much and hysterical crying and fighting and yelling and cursing. And, you know, see, I never even had me. that. No, see, I had that all the time. Because see, that's so funny how that works. <laughs> yeah. Screaming matches with my mom as to why it's not OK to have a four slice of pizza, why it's not OK to have a fifth slice of pizza, mm -hmm. you know, like. John, it's just, it, that's not what you do. Like you had enough, like two slices is what a normal person has, John, three, maybe max four or five is just you don't do that mm -hmm. and and just trying to wrap my head around it well i'm still hungry and i remember saying that all the time to everyone in my house well i'm still hungry well i'm still hungry well i'm still hungry and again for uh, you it's a different story too right, with all the don't play prednisone all these yeah. different stuff but the the food addiction as well that played a huge you know um a huge marker in it too but then like you would go to school and school store sold pop tarts Bags of chips, just garbage. Com yeah, combos, <laughs> all that. And then you know when you when you had lunch, when you had your lunch period, there was a lunch line, and then there was a snack line. Mm -hmm. And you know, two bags of Funyuns when I was a kid, when I'm talking like third, fourth grade, that was only fifty cents. You know what I mean? So I came in with a whole dollar, broke that shit. I had fucking four bags of Funyuns, mm -hmm. and that was just that was fine. Everyone was cool with that. Gushers were a nickel. Like, I'm not kidding. Like, I, I hate telling this story because, like, back in my day, you know, blah, blah, blah. blah, blah. <laughs> but I'm serious. Like, I specifically remember this. And I remember being like, you know what? I Because I was not a gummy candy type of kid. Like, I was never, like, my my go-to. And I would I would get the 
I would have 25 cents. I had 50 cents, whatever it was. And I get as many bags of Funyuns as I possibly could. And then I remember that they, at one point, like I'm talking maybe by like sixth grade or so, they put a limit onto like how many times you could go on, on the snack line. You know, because schools were trying to get a little serious about childhood obesity at the time. So they would put a limit on how many snacks you could have, how many times you go online, how many portions of lunch you could have, whatever. So I had a friend, a very skinny friend. Now, this is why fat kids hang out with skinny kids. I'm going to tell you all right now. I'm going to give you a little lesson. I had a friend who hardly ever ate his lunch, right? And I convinced him, just like I convinced my sister when I was little. I convinced my sister when I was little that she didn't like the crust on her Eggos. There's no crust on Eggos, ladies and gentlemen. And the whole thing is an Eggo. So I had my sister giving me like almost all of her Eggos because I convinced her she didn't like the crust. So then I had this kid at school, totally like he, he I, I would just convince him that he'd never wanted, you know, his pudding and like a half a sandwich. Just you, Dylan, you don't want that. <laughs> and um, he would just give it to me. Right. So then I'd be like, hey, Dylan, you didn't go. And his name really was Dylan. I'd be like, hey, Dylan, you didn't go get school lunch today. Right. Like you brought lunch. And he was like, yeah. So I'd be like, okay, here's however much lunch was in, in elementary school and middle school was. And go, get like, go get my, go get, go get a lunch. So he'd go get a lunch. And then I'd throw him on the snack line. Hey, Dylan, I want X, Y, and Z from the snack line. And he'd go up and he'd go get it and he'd bring it back. And I'd be on my merry way and no one would know the wiser. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like I was thinking of loopholes to, 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 to give into my addiction at such a young age, because again, I didn't know any better. Mm -hmm. And you know, we all went through this Happy Meal phase, right? Like Happy Meals were the shit when we were younger in the 90s. They had the best toys, right? I'm going to tell you right now, I was getting Happy Meals just for the toy, but I was getting an adult meal. <laughs> like, yeah. And it was a problem. Like it was, it was a real problem. Like it was not okay. Like I was, I, David, I'm not kidding you. Like I was eating three double cheeseburgers from McDonald's when I was eight years old. Yeah, that's insane. But I remember, yeah, eight. I just don't remember eight. I remember I got what I wanted, like McDonald's, yeah, always, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I did, but I, I, I just can't. I can't tell you what I was eating. Um, but one of the things, because like with with childhood obesity, I really want to talk about here. And this is for like anyone who's listening to this. Say that's not that hasn't dealt with it. Um, the one of the things that like obviously I'm grateful for having this experience because guess what regardless it, it's my life right so like obviously i need to find ways to find to find ways to gratify that because i don't I, you can't there's people in the alg community that are still in the resentment phase and that doesn't work no. like that does not like you're you can't you can't rob yourself of happiness from the the past mistakes you've made absolutely but if i had a choice because there's no question there are lasting effects of living a child obese life. If I had a choice, I would obviously choose not if, if that was an option. Like if all of a sudden brrr, I'm, I'm back in sixth grade again and I never let that happen, I, I wouldn't. Like I would like from the, from the standpoint of the lasting effects it has for the rest of your life, whether it's excess skin, mm -hmm. whether it's your metabolism is just a little different, whether whatever it may be. And the reason why I say that is like, ha like having those loving, I don't know the strategy. I, I'm not going to say I know the perfect strategy to do this, mm -hmm. but allowing a kid to get to 300, 400, 500 pounds before the age of 18. No, that's unacceptable. Yeah. It's just not acceptable. Yeah. Like, even if the kid resents you, 
I just, I just, I'm sorry. I, I like doing something to at least keep it in check. Yeah. At any point in level is better than doing nothing. Right. And so, cause like pivoted to a cocaine addiction, pivoted to any other type of addiction. It's just not something um, that needs to be, oh, well, he's just gonna, he's gonna get out of it. He's, he's gonna work himself out of this phase. Right. You gotta be careful. You, you say that when he's a cokehead too? Like, no, you're probably not. So let's let's pump the brakes here. And right. like, I think it's a humble conversation to have. And it's I, I'm still grateful for my past, but I'm also oh, gonna yeah. I'm not gonna sit here and give you sunshine and fucking rainbows. No, and go. Oh yeah, I'm still so happy that I have a little bit of excess skin, and I have to eat so much cleaner than ever. It's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, like I'm not gonna say that. Not at all. Um, and so, yeah, so like, I, I do want to kind of convey that message because it is important. Childhood obesity, living it way different. Yeah. Way different. Mm-hmm. Way different. Um, yeah. Without I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's, a, some people are going to say you still resent it. I'm like, you can think that I, it's not the point. Um, but I think it's, it's just a hard conversation to have, but I, I think it's think truthful. I resent my childhood obesity. Um, you know, I look at everything like a lesson that I was supposed to learn. And, you know, mm-hmm. I look at everything like my life was planned for this. Um, I don't resent it. If I could go back in time and convince myself that I could have been more athletic, still at a bigger size, I would have, because I know for a fact that I miss out on a lot of fun mm-hmm. stuff. Doing football uh, with your buddies and exactly, all types of stuff. Like, yeah. All that stuff. Like I, a thousand percent. Um, but other than that, I really... You know, because it for me, it's really hard because it, it wasn't just ob- I wasn't just a fat kid. Mm-hmm. I was a sick fat kid. Like, yeah. And that's the point that I like. I, I have such a hard. Yours time is different than mine. Home. Yeah, exactly. Like I wasn't just sitting there playing PlayStation and eating all day. Yes, I was because I couldn't do that, you know, because I couldn't be active. But like I wasn't not active by choice. I was mm-hmm. not active by life circumstance. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, exactly. So it was a little bit different. But um, I want to talk about just being younger and being heavy again for a second. Um, Were you bullied? And like, how did it affect oh, yeah. your mindset? Okay, so you were. Mm, yes. Oh, definitely, I was. Because but, kids are nasty. Oh, kids are nasty. Um, it's interesting because my most iconic bullying from being fat didn't even come from kids. Came for younger adults. No, adults in general. Adults in general. Yeah, I could see that. Um. So, like, I, I mean. Because uh, obviously one of the things that's interesting that you didn't deal with, again, this is, I think this is so freaking important because we create our own narratives based upon what we believe to be the truth. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's one of the things, isn't it funny? Like I spent, like, I think we're gonna have to have an episode on this because it's such an important topic. You're now engaged. You've never had relational issues. I did. Like I had a terrible time talking to girls in, in, in the sense of relationships and self-worth right. from the ages of 15, 14 to 25, mm-hmm. like because of being obese. And every time I'd ask a girl out, she'd pivot and friend me. And I knew what that meant. It was, I, you're, I was fat, like, obviously. Hey, listen, it happened to me, but I also, you know. But, I, you, I, but, I, but yeah. like I shunned it out. Then I was like, right. fuck it. It's not even worth it. I'm, I'm going to stop right. trying. Like that whole bit. Right. And then other people, you, for example, didn't have, didn't allow that to 
take oh, yeah. hold. Yeah, I wasn't going to clip my wings. Yeah, exactly. Where it's selling it's in, in different in different ways. For example, where you were saying something with like when people ask question of like oh, childhood obesity and wealth or something was someone's question. Uh, yeah, like you know, lower income families and 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 the results of childhood obesity. But I think that the their perspective is on like you know only being able to buy cheaper foods and stuff like that. You know, you're you're more often going to buy more sugary stuff because it's mm -hmm. cheaper. It's, it's cheaper. more readily available. And that's and and I understand that, but it's like, hello, <laughs> I grew up yeah. in a seven thousand square foot house with with David's I, rich guys, and he was a fat <laughs> fuck. That's what he's getting. <laughs> and so and there's plenty of poor people that aren't obese. Right. So again, we find we seek narratives to help fit our own conclusions mm -hmm. because it's just easier. It, it makes ourselves feel better in the moment. Right. Um, but yeah, I'd love to. We're gonna have to have a podcast on like relationships with, with um, being obese because I think it's so important because so many people have self worth issues when it comes to all that kind of stuff. So I don't, um, I don't mean to bring up past trauma, but like, do you yeah. specifically remember oh, yeah. bully like a specific bully? You know what they would say, anything like that. Um, my most iconic one ever was senior year. Now, for first and foremost, there was no bigger bully than myself. Mm -hmm. Like the, the shit I would say to myself in private, there was no bully that said anything close to the shit that I said to myself. Oh, yeah. Um, that's first and foremost. Number two, one of my most iconic ones was senior high school in a basketball. Um, it was like regional or conference finals. And I'm like the, I'm in the front row and the, we were playing a very, um, rival school and this, this like 45 year old man is cussing in the stands and like our, our teachers, no one's doing shit. And I'm like, fine, I'll do it. I go over to the guy and I go, sir. I said, sir, I remember this day, sir, stop badgering and swearing at our, at our coach and our players. It's disrespectful and it's unnecessary. And he goes, okay, fat fuck. This is a 44 year old man, 40 year old man. And I'm like, really? And I walk away and he's over there and he, I went opposite sides and he starts doing this to me. Like you're fat. And like, I start walking back over there to talk to him again. And the teacher stopped me and was acting like I was causing this. I'm like, bro, I was like, guys, you hear him saying fuck across the whole court and you're not doing anything. And I was over there just doing the respectful thing and you're not doing shit. That's a whole story right. in itself. But like, that was one of the most iconic ones when it comes to bullying being, I, I didn't get a lot other than it was like the secret quiet thing that was there, no, but I was, I but yeah, yeah, I was the biggest bully to myself than anything else. So I had one bully my whole entire, well, okay. I had one bully face to face my whole entire life. I had a kid when I was in like third to fifth grade, who for some reason just needed to always point out the fact that I was fat and I was this and I was that. And then like, you know, he tried to get into like a fight with me and then he'd run around me and tell everyone how I couldn't catch him because I was fat and had asthma. Mm -hmm. And like, that was his only ammunition. And I, I despised this kid growing up, like despise any understandably so. little nothing. Like, you know, like I've always had height on me. He was short, you know, but he was, he was, now, guys were taking this back to when we were all in elementary school. He was the good-looking kid mm -hmm. in, you know, third, fourth. The preppy kind of vibe. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that he was my only face-to-face -face bully, and it, and it did. It fucked with my head for a really long time um, because no one likes to be bullied. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I just and, don't – yeah, I didn't have many. Yeah, but now here's the thing also. So we're, we come from a very weird generation because – 
we were on the the brink of all this technology, right? Mm -hmm. So I was cyberbullied before cyberbullying was as big as the thing as it is now. Before any, everyone was talking about it all the time, you know, I would have random um, screen names, IME on you know AIM on AOL okay. back in the day, and be like, "You're a fat fuck," and then chat closed, ding, gone. You're, you're really? fat. yeah, all the time, all the time, all the time. I'm trying to recall anything like that. I did. Uh, dang it, because it, it's just hard to remember all that shit. So I could never um, point out like who it was. Yeah, because I didn't know who it was. So in my mind, it was just always this kid forever. Mm -hmm. Like that was just fucking following me forever. And you know, it, obviously, it could have been tons of people, but mm -hmm. no one would ever do it to my face. Yep, no one would ever do it to my face. Um, but yeah, I was a victim of cyberbullying way before cyberbullying was like a big thing. I think, yeah. Um, gosh, I just don't. I was just the funny guy that everyone liked. I, I, I didn't really get, I didn't have many quote unquote enemies. I had a couple kids that were like mm -hmm. little jerks, but nothing. Yeah. Nothing, nothing significant. Um, so I'm going to rapid fire a yeah. question for you right now. Fire away. All right. So, uh, Today, we asked people on Instagram if they had any questions or anything that they wanted to state when it came to childhood obesity. So I'm going to read up. Uh, I'm going to read off one right now. Um, Nikki from the ALG community wants to know, uh, did childhood trauma affect your relationship with food today or back then as well? Um, I would say so that was the the classic question to me was like, everyone thinks there has to be some trauma that steps puts food into the forefront um for me like, i mean yes i, I like the, the only thing is obviously my dad working a bunch and then my mom was a coddler and then she focused on my brother a lot and was i eating to get their attention i just don't think so like i just was eating because i fucking enjoyed it yeah i liked the taste of food and it was good and it was what it was like it wasn't like a, like i look at it as trying to be as objective as possible was it a coping mechanism to deal with something? I just don't, I, I just enjoyed it. And no one told me no. Mm -hmm. No, I agree. It was, it was, it was that simple for me to, did I go through a phase of calling all candy and all food? And I did, there was a time where I didn't touch diet Coke because how, how I associate it as just being nasty for you. Yeah. And do I have the occasional diet Dr. Pepper now? Yeah, I do. Do, is it in any excess of what I used to do? No. But do I have it? But was there a phase where I went through this, like, I don't touch candy. I don't touch sugar. I don't, I went through oh, a phase yeah. where I didn't touch it. Mm -hmm. And then I got through that phase and, and moved on. Um, I think that phase is important. Personally, I like the idea of cutting off and, and re I, I'm a, I'm a proponent of cutting stuff off and then re re it in a, in a better term, mm -hmm. but that's just me. Um, but yeah, that, that was, but I went through that phase and I ended it. Uh, but I didn't really have food as like this overseeing, like some awful situation syndrome happened. No, I just, I didn't, it's not how it was for me. Yeah. I, I think for me later on in life, uh, I still treated food like a security blanket, especially in the beginning of my journey, like way before gastric sleeve was even in the picture, like, you know, just standardly trying to diet and lose weight. Mm -hmm. Um, so like well into my early, like my late teens, maybe early twenties. Cause I really started my journey around 22. Um, definitely had some trauma like definitely was still sneak eating when it when i'm a full-grown adult at this point like i don't need to be sneak eating like mm -hmm. you know what i mean but like yeah i was definitely you know i had that but then also um and i didn't touch upon this at all and i know because i had some questions about it too like growing up in an italian family obviously 
you know, we answer everything with food. So like that was really hard growing up because that established a really bad relationship with food for mm-hmm. me early on because someone dies, you eat, you know, you have a birthday, you eat. Well, you have to have a piece of cake. You have to have coffee and pastry after you eat. Like there's so much that comes with that territory that like the way that I was taught to eat was so fucked, mm-hmm. you know, like you have to have carbs. You know what I mean? Like, and it's a sin if you don't have carbs. Well, you're not going to have bread with your pasta. So, yes, I'm not going to have bread with my bread. I'm not. You what know? are you doing? Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and I, when I was a kid, my grandmother was making pasta and pizza the same damn time. Like, <laughs> she was serving fucking pizza at 1130 in the morning, and then we're on a Sunday, and then we're eating regular dinner at 130 in the afternoon, and then they wonder why at 6 o'clock at night I'm fucking eating the walls because – I'm hungry as shit. I had zero protein. I had nothing to satiety and I'm just hungry and I have access everywhere. Yeah, exactly. So no, I mean, definitely childhood trauma definitely played a role. Um, I want to read like one or two more questions because I know we have to wrap this up in a second. Yep. Um, So Taylor from the ALG community wants to know, um, what are some healthy ways that parents can communicate with their kids about their weight? Mm hmm. Um, I think it goes back to, I, I just love, I think it's important because I, I think respect and love and, and like, cause I think that's, that's, um, sustainable. Right. If you are like, I think one of the main reasons why so many people have lack of sustainability when it comes to their weight loss, especially obesity is because they keep doing it for someone else. Yeah. I'm doing it for my dad to love me. I'm doing it for my to find a wife for them to love me. I'm doing it for this person to be, to validate me. And if that is your foundation, you're fucked. And so same thing with like talking to kids. If you talk to kids that, Hey, Billy, you need to eat your greens because it'll make me happy. You're setting your kid up for fucking failure. Yeah. Um, Now teaching them the greatest way to love yourself and respect yourself is by fueling your body and, giving yourself the right food to sustain yourself and treating yourself from time to time. But given that coming from that position, I think is a great place to come from. Um, it's th- the most dangerous place you can come from is tr- try to try to basically strong arm them and guilt. Right. To lose guilt weight. Is never the answer. Guilt, guilt or never the answer. guilt or validation, either yeah. side. Yeah. Hey, I would be so proud of you if you lost 30 pounds. Mm-hmm. That's not the point. It has oh, yeah. nothing. Oh, you're not then, doing and, it for them. Yeah. And then my parents would try to, you know, give me incentives. Yeah. You know, like prize it like, you know, oh, we'll do this or I'll buy you that. Yep. And then like you're fucking with your kids. You're, oh, you're fucking with because, them. Because, yeah. Then they feel like, oh, well, you know, I really want that Game Boy Advance. So I'm, let me starve myself for like the yep. next four weeks and then we'll see. Get what it. Happens. And then it's gone. And, right. then, and as soon as you get your, you get your little, your little validation, guess what? You, you, you relapse back. Mm-hmm. And, and so, I, yeah, no, no, I, that's what I was going to say. You're good. No, I, and, and also like, we have to figure out a way to teach our kids why we need to start taking care of our future self today, mm-hmm. because as a society as a whole, and you know, this is health, this is happiness. And this even is money. Like we do not ever worry about our future self. Like mm-hmm. we always, like we as a society will help other people and we'll help them within the right now. And we'll even help people for their own future, but we will never help ourselves with our own future because yep. for some reason we have a problem picturing ourselves in, in, in a future state because we don't see that person. 
Mm-hmm. You follow what I'm saying? So like, we need to start teaching our kids. Okay. Well, this is why, you know, you need your body's a vessel, like whatever the conversation that you need to have with your kids is, but they need to realize, Hey, the, what you're doing right now is not going to affect you right now. Mm-hmm. It's going to impact. It's going to hurt you in 10 years, 15 years, 15 years from now. And exactly. I know you have a hard time understanding that, but we need to have this conversation. Right. And we're doing it. I'm doing it. We're doing it for yourself, not for anybody else. It's for right. you. Um, but yeah, no, I think that was really good. All right. So last one from the questions and we'll, we'll wrap this bad boy up really quick. Yep. Uh, rebuilding points. For, uh, I think I'm sorry if I totally just ruined your IG name, rebuilding points, P O N C E wants to know how to get over the hurt of childhood obesity. Um, how to get over the hurt. I think this, some people we've had them on, on the community calls being able to accept and, and, and not hold this resentment and finding ways to look at the situation in a positive light. Mm-hmm. I'm not sitting here asking like, it's not, you don't have to do sunshine and fucking rainbows. Life isn't perfect. I'm not, I'm not saying I want you to treat reality as reality. And are there some hardships that came from it? It's it's like what I talked about, but the, but there are benefits too. Cause what the discipline that I built in my life because of myself getting out of that obese state is massive. Yeah. Like, like, think about that. I, I don't know what it is for you, but if you look at what, how your life has been bettered off for yourself after going through it, I don't know what it is. You may, you have to seek it out, like figure Absolutely. it out. But there are things in your life that are infinitely better because you dealt with it and got through it. Mm-hmm. That's what you need to focus on. Yeah. That's what you need to be grateful for and just forgive yourself for the past mistakes. Cause that's what no one's perfect. Yeah. I mean, I really can't give a better answer than what you just said. I mean, like, listen, the experiences that we had as a child have hopefully built us up into having a better future. And we know what to do now rather than what not to do like we did back then. So, I mean, I just look at it as, as a learning lesson, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, what not to do now. So yeah. now when you're 70, you don't get fucked. Yeah. exactly. <laughs> and that, I mean, it, overcoming trauma is a really hard that like we would need hours in order to sit here and say, okay, this is how you overcome trauma. But like you can overcome that trauma. You know what caused that trauma. And honestly, openly speaking about childhood obesity can probably lead to better results now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I really, again, I can't, I can't say it better than David did. So um, I think that's a really good place to end this one off. I appreciate you guys listening, David. I appreciate you as always really quick, just to end the show as we always do. Um, Each and every week you can find us on the accountable life group community call. That's each and every single Wednesday night, eight 30 Eastern standard time, five 30 Pacific new members each and every week. We want to hang out with you. The call is absolutely free. Uh, ALG coaching is in full swing. If you're trying to transform your life, if you're trying to live a more accountable life, you just need a shoulder to cry on, vent to whatever, ALG coaching, www.algcoaching.com. The Accountable Life Journal is available on Amazon. All these links will be in the bios of the video of the podcast. Um, And other than that, oh yeah, five-star rate review as always. That's it. I got to write down the spiel or I got to record it one day. I really do. (laughs) All right, guys. Well, as always, stay beautiful, stay sexy, stay accountable. Toodles.